This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. And you know when I started this podcast? Let's see. Oh, my God. Like, it wasn't a podcast. 17 years ago. And it was to interview people from around the world who have done something positive to make a difference. And I was thinking about my guests lately. And the guy coming on now, Roderick Lenhart, he's definitely been around the world and back. And he talks a lot about, you know, how you always just soar up high as an entrepreneur. You know, there's never any pitfalls, right, Roderick? hundred <laughs> percent. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> All right. Not true. All right. But let me tell you a little bit about him. He is a Michigan-born lifelong entrepreneur, multi-number one best-selling author, and sought-after speaker who started his business journey at a young age. Over the last 30 years, he expanded his ventures to create multiple multi-million dollar companies in both product and service industries. Having traveled to more than 50 countries across six continents, Roderick brings a unique worldwide view and a deep appreciation for freedom and autonomy to his work, donating all profits to his foundation, send a student leader abroad in partnership with EFA Tours with a goal of sending one million kids on life-changing trips. All right, I got to just get right into it. Your one word, Roderick, that best describes your past 30 days, what pops into your head and why? Mm, peace. Peace. Wow. The past 30 days have been peace? Tell us more. Uh, man, <laughs> I, I took some purposeful time off of work. Last year okay. was crazy. So it's been a lot of downtime building furniture and building hot rods and just doing my hobbies and wow. no appointments. You're the first appointment I've had in two and a half weeks. And and we leave for Belize tomorrow. So there'll be even more peace Ooh. on the beach in Belize. But uh, we were home for the first time in probably 10 years for Christmas and New Year's. So it's just been a nice slow pace and ah. peace. <laughs> Okay, so I have to jump into the Belize. Have you been there before? I have, yeah. So my husband's family have owned farms there forever, and they keep inviting us, and I've never been. But when you are describing it just peaceful and all the beaches, it makes me want to go. Is it like jungle-like? Because I love jungles. Can be, yeah. But, I mean, for being a small country, it's, it's pretty varied. Um, I haven't been, I guess 2017 was the last time I was there. But uh, Nicole's never been, so taking her, and we've got two weeks planned of very few decisions, oh. <laughs> which is not normally the way we travel, so it's exciting in its own right. I got to write that down. I'm going to go somewhere and make very few decisions. By the yeah. way, I no, love no. that motto because when I travel with friends who I love, I don't travel with them anymore because I wake up in the morning and it's like that. Okay. All right, Sandy, get out of bed at 630. Then we're going to say this. Then we're going to say, I'm like, oh my God. Like, they fear of missing out something. Like I'm getting a heart attack. This is not vacation, right? 
Yeah. The um we went to I don't know 15 countries last year. And we we actually had a relatively slow pace for, for those trips too. Is people will say, Oh, did you go see this? Did you go see that? And I, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. You I didn't we see just, that. we just do not travel. I've also, you know, I've been to all these places and done the tourist thing most times. So I just go to, I usually will stay not in the main city. I'll stay outside. And I just like to, my four block radius, whatever country that is, I immerse myself in that. (laughs) That's anymore. That's the way I like to travel. So like we're going to Belize and we're, we're not renting a car. We're not doing one day to go see the ruins, but otherwise we're going to stay. We're in Hopkins Bay and I will not leave Hopkins Bay for those two weeks. I'm also writing my second book. So that's part of the reason we're going and staying put. Yeah. Yeah. That'll help you. Okay. So let's talk about the 15 countries. And so did the four block radius. Is this business or pleasure? Always pleasure. Um, I had a couple of business things this last, the last big trip um, with EF tours. We had, we met them in Paris for the Holt prize world finals, which was cool. Um, and then I had a meeting in London, uh, but otherwise, just pleasure. I've been to 62 countries now, so my bio needs updating because we got another 12 in new countries last year. But um, no, we, you know, we bounce around and we we go to a place and just try to, it's, I'll say this, it's when we leave, we leave for a couple months. So we're not trying to cram everything in like your friends that you love. Yeah. You know, they, they've got a week, they've got two weeks, they've got yeah, whatever. They got two is. weeks and that's it. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're fortunate in that respect, but that that's also been by design. That's how I've built every business. You know, when, when you say freedom and autonomy are how I build my businesses, that's very true. I'm, I don't build something where I'm chained to a desk. I don't build something where I'm location specific. Mm-hmm. You know, are there other opportunities that could, be maybe I'll make more money, sure, but I wouldn't be able to go leave for eight, nine, ten weeks at a time and still serve my clients and still do what I want to do in the world. So um, you know how you hear friends say must be nice. And yes. typically typically those people aren't your friends. That's the first thing to know. Um <laughs> yeah, it is nice. It is nice. I've I've designed it this way. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> yeah. I hear friends. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, okay. So there's a lot to unpack there, but we're going to go <laughs> because I did go through the different questions and which ones I liked and which ones I don't. And there is one particular that resonates with me. And that is why it is the people closest to you are likely to hold you back. Now I have my views on that. But go for it because I really want to know what your point of view is. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's certainly been my experience, and it's you know, I'm a business coach, so I certainly see it in my clients as well. So I know I'm not alone, and so therefore, other people should know they're not alone. And I write about it in the book at length. You know, you're you're the average of your five friends or family members. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? And who said that? Jim Jim Rohn. Somebody said that way back. And yeah. people, it's not malicious. And mm. I think that's the most important thing here. It's 
they're not holding you back because they want you to fail or they don't, they're afraid of being left behind. It's just a very standard human emotion. If, you, if Sandy goes out and crushes it and succeeds, she's going to have a, a new group of friends. She might move yeah. to a new city. I'm going to lose my friend. I'm going to lose my cousin. I'm going to lose whoever that is. Yeah. So yeah. That's the first part of it. And then the second part of it is whenever, I mean, you're, you're online. I mean, you get trolls like everybody else. And typically the person who is angry with your success, it's because you're pointing out something in them that they're not doing. Mm-hmm. That's probably true. It's probably true. You know, I was reading through your stuff and I even more appreciated my friends that I grew up with and how much they propelled me to go forward versus just like, I call it well-meaning. There were so many well-meaning people telling me all the reasons why I probably wouldn't succeed. And I looked at it as part of it is they were protecting me. They thought if I failed, that would be worse, which for me, not trying would be worse. Right. So they, they were trying to get you not to have the feeling of what they would feel. They would hate that failure. But as I grew in my business, it was my clients that were kind of trying to hold me back because if I went here, I wouldn't be able to be with them anymore as much. And I didn't think of it that way. I thought, why why wouldn't they want me to be over here where they are? But some of them didn't. Crazy. Yeah. On its on its face, it's crazy. You, emotionally, you see why it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They didn't want to lose me. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's it's no different than friendships. You know, I've I've been thinking about this a lot over the last probably six months. But the people that you leave behind, and the people mm-hmm. that leave you behind, and it's irrational to think that we're going to be friends with the same people and be as close for forty years. And some some you are. You know, but um, and and we all advance at the same rate, and we all believe the same things, and we all want the same things out of life, and we all—it's you yeah. know, well, how would that ever be true? You know, yeah. that's yeah. why we're so fortunate when you have a couple of people that have been around for twenty and thirty years. You know, it's yeah, uh, those people are very valuable because I think it's rare. So, I have this theory that the people that want the most for me are truly happy with where they are in life wherever they are. And because the people that I really think push me, yeah, I have my mentors who have really done so much with their lives and made so much money. And they were trying to get me not don't worship the dollar. I missed out on my kids and they saved me on, you know, on a lot of things I would have done, you know, to chase the dollar versus make sure I spent time with my family. But I I feel as if I was fortunate enough to have these five group of friends, I grew up in the projects and most of them never made it out of the projects, but they were counting on me to make it out. And they pushed me, Roderick, and kept pushing me to graduate high school, go to college. And I think about, man, how rare that was because they literally said, I don't think we're going to be able to do the same thing. And now looking and thinking and going through what your questions were, I thought about it. They were an odd group, right? Because, I mean, not that I I get, you know, there were some drug addicts, some prostitute, like you name it, but they were good hearted people that wanted me to succeed. And you wouldn't pick that for my five people, would you? Right, right. You know, it's, 
if you think about your friends, you know, you, I'm sure are the type of person who truly wants what's best for them. Absolutely. And it, it's, it's an abundance mindset. You know, it's, it's what you, you see this meme float around and it always strikes me that, you know, the people at the top are collaborating and isn't that true? The people at the top of any industry for the most part are talking to each other. They know the pie is big enough. You know, I'm in masterminds with other coaches that yeah, are absolutely yeah. crushing it. And it's, we, we share all of our secrets because we know there's 7 yeah. billion people on this earth. I can't have all of them as clients, <laughs> you know, so we all can win. Either. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. You know what? That's true. I didn't think about that. I've always felt there's so much to go around and here you go. Cause you're not me. You're not going to do it the same way as I do it. So let's go back to your friends. Have you shifted friends throughout the years? Have they changed as you've grown and developed? Even for me, not even where I am in business, but my self-growth has changed almost, I don't want to say every seven years, but I can see I have a few friends that stay, but they change and evolve where I want to go. Yeah. I think that goes back to that point about there being you know a handful. I've got less than five friends that have been around for let's say 25 plus years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Since we were kids. Um the here, here let me let me go in a different direction with this. I'll tell you, I quit drinking like 16 months ago. I was gonna go two weeks up until my birthday, and then I was gonna go till New Year's, and then I was, I'm gonna do a year. This is actually what my next book's about. Oh. But you want to talk about changing this because this is completely non-business related, right? People, when you're not drinking and you have drinking buddies or the girls you have wine with every Wednesday or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. There is, you have a lot less in common and you do a lot, you do fewer things. You don't just go out for a drink. You don't stay at the bar till three in the morning because you're not drunk. You know, you're not, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it completely changed a lot of people that I spent a lot of time with previously. And not that we're all, you know, blasted at the bar, but it's no, just no, I get it. I get behavior. It. It's just what you did. You know, you go yeah. and have drinks and yeah. when you're not having drinks, it's again, it's their reaction to you. I don't care what you're doing, but you may be sober curious. And the fact that I'm not doing it, I just quit one day and just didn't have it. Right? So maybe they want that. And you point out in them that maybe they drink too much. You know, and I think that's just an example of, and you could, you can take that model and you can put it into, I'm going out and I'm striving in my business. I'm trying to make my relationship with Nicole great. I'm trying to, you know, yeah, whatever the yeah. thing is, when you, when you point out that contrast, it's hard for people. You know, it's very true. I'm I'm thinking about, I'm not, a, I'm not a big drinker, but I didn't drink even a glass of wine until I was maybe like 40. and. They would always, I could tell the people that didn't care and the people that they felt bad when they ordered the third glass of wine. You're right. Cause you're, you're, you're like, I don't care. Do whatever you want. I'm the designated driver. You should be right now. They don't right. need designated drivers. Right. But whatever. Oh my God. These are so many points to unpack, but I'm going to put a pin on that one. All right. So let's talk about the ups and downs of business, which thank you for sharing that. Like you made it, you lost it, you made it. I don't know how many times you did it. And when was the first time? Where were you? What were you doing when you made it? And then when you lost it? Uh, so background, I grew up with nothing. 
up in Michigan. And I think that's, that's what drove me to become or have that entrepreneurial spirit is I knew yeah. that if I, if I wanted a bike, if I wanted a Nintendo, if I wanted new shoes for school, I was going to have to figure out a way to go earn. Yeah. You know, my parents weren't going to be able to do it. And, you know, so I sold golf balls down at the end of the road or I sold candy at school or, you know, you kind of learned that the art of the hustle <laughs> very, very wow. young. And, you know, I started all kinds, I had little inventions and I had all kinds of businesses, et cetera. And I made my first million by the time I was 20. Oh, did you see those balloons? What's that? <laughs> what on earth was that? I hope that there's video. Oh, that there's was video you. Of this. Well, yeah, it was on my screen, but I don't know why. Oh, you don't? Uh, that's so great. No, I have no idea. But say million again. See what happens. A uh, million? Damn. All right. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. Anyway, I have, a new, I have a new Sony ZV-1. Maybe that's it. That's it. it. Oh, balloons, man. <laughs> anyway, so made my first million. I was 24-ish. I lost it all in 2008, 2009 because I had everything in real estate. So I went starkly to zero oh. and built it all back again. And, you know, it's there's that saying that if you took all the money in the world and put it on a plane and distributed it evenly, all the same people would have the money in 10 years because you just understand the principles of what it takes well, to yeah. a lot of its mindset, mentality, et cetera. But, um, you know, there's, I think I, money has never been my thing. It's never to your point about maybe not what you say, worshiping the dollar, I think was the yeah. advice your friend gave you, you know, I've always enjoyed what it was I was doing for the most part. And the money was just a nice bonus for the, the value add, you know, and this coaching and writing the book and, and all of those things, it's, it's no different. You know, it's not about the, the dollar that comes in. It's about how much value can I give to my, my fellow human being. And I think when you come from that place, you can't help but make money, you know, and it's, it sounds cliche and you can read all the quotes and et cetera, but how many people are, they don't come from that place of service. You know, so um, I know we're getting sidetracked, but. Oh, no, because it's making, yeah, go, keep going because it's about, I was thinking about, you know, I got this book, Money Loves Me, I Love, whatever. And it was all about, you better figure out what you're passionate about first. And when you, and it sounds like, and how you draw money into you is the people that have money. It's because it's no big deal. They know they can have it but they really love what they're doing for the world. I mean, for the people that I see, I'm not saying there aren't people that are miserable and have money. I coached a lot of them. There's plenty of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the ones that I call eminent, like they have such pure joy in them. Like you want to be around those people. And those are the people that I've seen make money who are having fun making money. And I always wanted to be that person. Not that you can't have a, you know, do a lot of good things. You look at you. I mean, you're donating all your money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, There's so much good that you can do with money. But so you, when you said you grew up humble, what was the mindset? Because this is something where I, I swear to God, I struggle with still to this day. If someone says, "What's your sticky wicked?" I grew up thinking people that had money were not good people. Like it was drilled in my head that they were evil people. I don't know that's how they justified, you know, their humble beginnings and that they didn't have money, but it was drilled in my head that money is the root of all evil and people that have money are bad people. 
Yeah. I mean, that that's, there's so many of those, I don't want to call them nuggets, mind bombs <laughs> that we, that we, that we're planted with as kids. You know, I think. How about I you? Said, what do you think? I mean, for me, you know, going way back, I mean, I just remember listening to my parents argue about money and I knew that a lot of pain came from not having any. Okay. And so, so I think that's what drove me to probably to not have jobs. You know, I really only had a couple real jobs and they didn't last very long when I was a kid. And one of them almost killed me, which I write about in the book. But um, no, knowing that I wanted to make my own way and be able to, if I put in the effort, I'm going to get the return, you know, and the only way you can do that is as an entrepreneur, you know, mm -hmm. or where you're not tying my hourly, I don't think in terms of hourly rate and I never have, you know, and people still think that, you know, they go buy a car. Well, how much is it? Well, it's 525 a month. No, how much is it? And they don't even know. They just know how much the payment is. They know how many hours they have to work to make that payment. Absolutely. And that's just the way we're raised. Yeah. And, you know, in, in the book, I had, have the waves method. And I talk about going kind of back to living your passion is, you know, it's your why, why do you get up every morning other than a paycheck and authenticity mm -hmm. coming, coming from what you want, not what your parents want, not what your pastor wants, not what your partner wants, what you want. And having that selfish attitude to determine what is it that I want to get up and do every day. And if all you're worried about is money, you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. There's a thousand ways you can go make money and be miserable. And I start the book with a Tolstoy quote, and it's from the death of Ivan Illich. And he's on his deathbed. Spoiler alert, if you're going to read the book. <laughs> but Ivan's looking up. It's a guidebook. It's not. Okay. Yeah. He's, uh, he's on his deathbed, and he's look, he looks up at his wife, and he says, what if my whole life was wrong? And I, I read that. I was probably 20 years old when I read that book. And it's never left my mind. It's how I start my book, Million Dollar Flip Flops. It's the first episode of my podcast. Yeah. It's, it's that, is there anything more terrifying than living the same year, 50 years in a row and calling it a life? Stick pins in my eyes. That's what I want to say. It would, oh my God. Yeah. But you know. But we aren't raised to think that way. You know, and those are those people yeah. that were, that were holding you back because they're scared to death to go out and do it. And they don't, they don't even know what they're scared of. You know, the. Yeah. The best example I have, and I know you've seen this, is how many people won't start a business because of benefits? And you're like, benefits are a number. You know, my health, I pay for my health insurance every month. I don't get it from someone else. I just have to make an extra 500 bucks. <laughs> now I have health insurance. <laughs> you know, how many people have this brilliant idea and they're Wait, not going to do it? Do it. Your plan. <laughs> Blue Cross Blue Shield. Gone. You know, so, it, but, but it's the point, right? It's, it's, we aren't, we aren't taught to think in those terms and it's nobody's fault. Your, our parents didn't know, <laughs> you know, you know, and I, th I think thanks to the internet and thanks to a lot of just the access to information is, is why you see so many more people taking opportunities. And I love it. You know, it's, it's so much better for mankind. Well, the, the youth is coming up going, wait a minute. <laughs> right. I watched my parents hate their jobs. Yeah, I don't want that, you, you know, or coming in. My best thing is when they come in, even for my son's freshman in college, and they go, yeah, I don't want, I don't work weekends. And it's like a Starbucks. And the guy goes, okay, I'm all about you living your dream, but we are open seven days a week. But good for them, you know, good for yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Absolutely. So. 
I want to get back to the entrepreneur part and like that you made it and you failed. And right when you lost everything, what was your mindset? I mean, I remember a woman, she might like, again, these people that said something to me 20 years ago and she was very successful. And I was telling her about this new business I wanted to start and it was pretty risky and everyone was telling me not to do it. And she's like, so what? You lose money. So you lose everything. You'll make it again. And I never forgot that. I thought, that's right. I just can make it again. I came from no money. I was happy then. It changed my whole life. But like, she's right. So did you think that? Or were you like, oh, shit? No. I mean, it, probably in the moment I was. I mean, yeah. the I had some of the best times of my life immediately after that. You know, and it's... It's that we keep talking about cliches, but it's, you know, the, the lesson in those things and how you learn that the, some of the worst times of your life really were the best times of your life. And, and for what reason, you know, and, mm-hmm. and there's so much science behind that. I mean, you look at say people who lose a limb or they lose their sight, you know, to, to go to the extreme and they're, you watch their, their base level happiness comes right back up to where it was before. Like we're very adaptable creatures you know and if you i have this quiz on my website and oh yeah i love that quiz i love oh, it yeah. <laughs> so what is the food of the people yeah tell them about yeah. it it's so cool so it's the five phases of the entrepreneur and it's it's what i've seen through my life it's what i've seen in all of my clients and it's it goes the believer the showman the anxious philosopher the peaceful warrior and the business buddha and depending on where you land on that scale quickly determines whether or not we're a candidate you know, to work with each other. Yeah. And the reason for that is if you're in believer, which is, and I'll go through them real fast if we have time. Um, time. The the believer is I've got this thing. Everybody's going to want it. I'm going to be a billionaire on a beach in six months. I just need to get eyeballs on my thing. Why isn't everyone taking this easy path to riches, right? It's, it's uninformed optimism. You've been there. I've been there. We watch other people go there. Then you go to the showman. Some people do actually want your thing. They've you've got the SUV and the house and all the signs of Western success. You could take a vacation, but people don't know how hard this is. You have to work. You're starting to move into informed pessimism. You start to realize this is a lot harder than everybody made it out. All the guys and gals in front of their Lamborghinis on Instagram left a lot of this equation out, and I'm figuring that out as I go. Then you move into anxious philosopher, and this is my guy or gal that I work with, and it is I have all the things. I have a business that's growing. I have everything that everyone told me would make me happy, but I wake mm-hmm. up every day and say, is this all there is? Oh, yeah. And I call it right map, wrong mountain. You know, we are, it's what we've been talking about for the last 30 minutes. We are given this map of success and happiness and all these things that are going to, I'm going to have this great life. And many of us get those things. We follow that map and figure out we are on the wrong mountain the whole time. And that's my, that's what I do very specific. My niche is to move people through that as fast as possible, if that's what they want. And that's what the waves method and all the things from the book come into play. But then you move into peaceful warrior where you start to make decisions from a place of what do I want as a human being? I want to build a business to serve me and my soul first. Why? Because now I can better serve everyone around me. I'm not the miserable owner. Right. And it goes, it's all the things, you know, that we go back to the money, you know, what can I do with that money? Look what we do with the foundation. You know, I want to go out and make as much money as humanly possible by helping as many people as humanly possible so that I have the resources to help even more people. 
I can't do that if I only make five bucks an hour. I can't send a million kids abroad if I make five bucks an hour. Like <laughs> I have to figure out a way to make piles of money in order to fill my big why, which is sending these kids through the foundation. So it's it's that going back to that authenticity piece, that selfish place of what do I want from my life? Yeah. Why do I want to get up every day other than a paycheck? So when I asked my peeps what questions they wanted to ask you, I got this over and over again because I have a lot of people that have been successful in business. I have a lot of entrepreneurs. They're probably in their, most of them, late 40s, 50s, male and female, Roderick. And a bunch of them have been fortunate enough to sell their businesses. You know, some of them able to relax and just enjoy life. Others still have to find something else. And I just want to summarize because I'm sorry, guys, I can't get to all the questions, but you can definitely reach out to Roderick himself. But the thing that they were concerned with is here they are. They did it once. Right. They, They loved what they did. But now and I don't know if this is your type of client. They're not sure what they are passionate about. They loved what they did, where they fit in. And they do want to make a difference. But is it. I don't want to summarize, but let's just call Billy Bob. Is that just, you know, I'm just fortunate to have it one time. Everybody says, don't be so greedy. He goes, but I'm only 48 and I'm having trouble figuring out what is my passion and will I ever make money like that again? That's what I wrote the book for. You know, when I, <laughs> when I, when I sold my last business, I mean, this time last year, I was sitting on a beach in Thailand and Thailand. that's, that's when all of this was created. None of the book wasn't even a thing. I wrote the book in, I in started Thailand. In, well, I started it in Tokyo, like two weeks later. But it was I can I built these businesses. I did these. I shut down businesses. I sold businesses. I had my own shop. I had partners. I had employees. I had you know name it. I did it in the entrepreneurial world. And when I sold my last business, fortunate like some of your folks where I don't yeah. really have to do anything. I, you know, I build hot rods and furniture in my spare time. Like I could yeah. just, I could say strap on my white Velcro new balance and go out to the shop and call it a life. And I looked over at Nicole and I said, we got to give it all away. And she's drinking a mango smoothie. And she was like, what? <laughs> she has no idea what's <laughs> going on in my head. <laughs> give it all. And, and I'm like, I've, I learned, I've helped people that were close to me. You know, I brought a lot of other people up that saw the life I could live and the businesses I ran. Right. I've I've been to 60 countries for fun, not because work sent me there, you know, and because travel is a passion of mine. Obviously, that's why we started the foundation, et cetera. But it was this stuff shouldn't just die in my head. And so I I wrote the book to get all of that out. That's what the waves method. The waves method is what I use to make decisions for 20 years. And nobody Mm -hmm. else knows what it is except a handful of people. Now, you know, we hit number one in seven categories on Amazon when the book launched. You know, it's so it's. And that's what it's designed to do. It's your why, authenticity, your values, exploring those things in the highs and lows of your life, and then building a statement of purpose. That's what WAVES stands for. So your 48-year-old guy who doesn't know, but that's what that's what the book does. Uh, it it wow. spits out those if you do the work. Yeah. You can't just yeah. buy it and set it on your nightstand. If you do the work, yeah. it will give you those answers. And you're going to figure out why did you really run the last business? It wasn't just to go make $5 million. Mm-hmm. There was a reason you did it, you know, and you can do that again. You can still have that satisfaction. It exists, you know, but we aren't given the tools. They're there. 
You know, you just yeah. need somebody, yeah. just need somebody to grab your hand and just yank about you, you know, and, and then you can move on to the next thing with a completely different level of clarity than you had when you did the first one. And it's even more fun. And I do believe it's really difficult, even if you are a coach, a therapist, a mentor, to do it yourself and look at yourself. I mean, it's so it's impossible. easier. I mean, the best coaches I know have coaches or mentors or whatever you want to call them to guide them. Because when you're in the thick of it, I know for me, I know my peeps I'm reaching to, you know, and I know which ones are good for business, which ones that, you know, I can go for more spiritual growth. Like we talked about, I don't know if it's five people or not, but I don't know what I'd do without them. Yeah. Like no, great coaches just, oh my God, so valuable. I mean, Clearly I have a coach, you know, and I came out of the sports world. So, I mean, it's what, you know, Michael, Michael Jordan had Phil Jackson, not because he didn't know how to play basketball. You know, like you have to have somebody that can see it from outside. You can't read the label from inside the bottle. You know, there's so many best eye, best eye surgeon doesn't do his own eye surgery. Like you can't, you have to have somebody on the outside looking in. And I see those examples, even putting this business together. If I didn't have my business coach, would I figure it out? probably eventually through a lot of pain and struggle coach yeah. just speeds up the process 10 or a hundred X. I mean, that's what you're paying for. You're, yeah. you're, you're paying, you're paying for somebody with a brain, hopefully a good one to yeah. view your situation from the outside looking in and accelerate your result. That's it. Well, I think the easiest way to say to someone, how do you pitch a coach? <laughs> like make sure they've done it and they're where you want to be. Because I see so many times, even in the fitness industry, people picking coaches, and they're not doing it themselves. So like, if I'm wanting Roderick to do it, I want to know he's been through it, done it, you know, been there back again, you know, and living it versus some, how could you tell me how to make money if you've never done it? Yeah. But it's like yeah. losing it and getting it back again. If you've never gone through it and you've gone through it. Yeah. And I've, and I've, you know, I, I say all the time, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, like I, I had a real great life. <laughs> You know, I did the things I wanted to do, and that's what yeah. I want for other people. Yeah, and I, and I want them to figure that out when they're twenty, not when they're fifty-five. You know, it's I want them to have that thirty-five years of clarity. I mean, I don't have to do anything. I do this because I love it, and because I yeah. want I want to, other people to avoid the pitfalls that I went through. Yeah, which is the right way to do it. Okay, tell us about the foundation. I want to hear more about it. Like how you got involved in it. What exactly do they do? It's so exciting. So, and this is kind of a cool tidbit because it was the last, this last trip we were on when I was in Paris, the, um, when I was 13, I went on a trip with EF tours and I remember going home and asking my mom, (laughs) knowing there was no way in H that we were ever going to be able to afford a trip like this. I can remember her and my dad screaming about it at the kitchen table, like I said, and ultimately mom won and sent me on this trip. And I went to London and Paris and Pisa and Rome when I was a middle schooler. Yay, mom! And I always say, yeah, yay, mom. And uh, I always say, you know, with the rich kids, which is not meant to be a derogatory thing, but, you know, I was with kids. They were going to go to Europe anyway. You know, it's so, but for me, it was something that was unattainable. Like that was just out of the realm of possibility that I'd be able to go on that trip. And this last year, I did that same trip backwards. So we started in Italy and then did Paris. And then I specifically went to London so I could do, it was 30 years to the year. And I did the the same trip I did when I was 13, but I did it backwards. And the reason we started Send a Student Leader Abroad, and we're partnered with EF Tours. So the same group that I went, Ah. went with. 
um, 30 years ago. And that's actually a fun story about me cold calling the CEO, $7 billion company. And he's like, how can I help? This is amazing. So that's cool. And, and Very so that's, cool. That's why we were in Paris with Halt Prize, which they do a lot of amazing work too. But um, ultimately the foundation is a matching grant. So the the teachers at these individual schools depends on how they run their program, but they identify a kid like me that, you know, should go on a trip like this, but is never going to be able to go because of their financial oh. circumstance. So we work with them, you know, to learn some of that grit learn some of that hustle. And ultimately Sandy, if they only make, it costs about 4,000 bucks to go on these trips. If they only make $500, we pay the other 3,500. Like we mm. ensure that they're going on the trip. So and the idea there is that, you know, I've been to, like I said, 62 countries now, and there's things with travel that you can only learn by being there. You can read books and you can watch documentaries all day, but the just the principle of there's no them, there's only us, you know, and to, to give that gift to a middle schooler that might not otherwise be able to, and then they go off, have that experience and bring that conversation back to a community that is not having those conversations has a tremendous ripple effect. That's my why. That's why I get up every day. And the the goal is to send a million kids abroad. That's $4 billion if you're doing quick math. I mean, yeah. it's it's just a, a completely audacious thing. But like I always say, if, if I only send 10,000 kids in my lifetime, yeah. well, you know. <laughs> So I've never heard of that. I mean, I know a lot of abroad trips, you know, for high school and college, but I didn't know they did that for middle school kids. Yeah. Yeah. Typically seventh going into eighth grade. And do they have like homes they stay in once they get there? Or they, how's that work? Like with the guides? Like, I don't know. Like, what do you do with the kids once they're there? There's a ton of logistics, but you know, EF is education first. That's that's what it stands for. And it's it's an educational trip. So you're going there and you're learning about the places you're going. It's not just to go eat, yeah. eat ice cream in Paris, you know. So they're um they're usually with teachers. Sometimes there'll be chaperones that are parents, et cetera. Okay. But like I went I went with three teachers when I was in seventh grade. And some of these teachers, they go every year and they just keep taking a new wow. new group of kids. Um but it's, it's just a really neat program and they're just such a tremendous organization. You know, they do yeah. so much the college programs, language programs. I mean, they have I don't know, 65,000 employees. I mean, they're, they're a huge company. So how did you know, like at 13, like I want to go on this. I want to go on this. Just sounded cool. You know, I'm just a typical seventh grader. <laughs> you know? I'm like, I, you know, I probably want my, uh, girl I was interested in at the time was probably going, you know, it was, it was just, you know, dumb middle school stuff. But I think, you know, my mom knew that, that it was something that could change my life. And, yeah, and they and did. It, and it did, you know, it, it certainly inspired my love of travel and, and uh, possibility, you know, you start to learn a lot about possibility when you, when you have those experiences. And, you know, I always say if, if, you know, our history without going on too much of a tangent, our, our history is the history of who we're taught to hate. You know, it's, we got to hate the French and we got to hate the Russians and we got to hate the Spanish and we got to hate the English and we got it. And it's, and if you asked a room full of people, do you know any of these people? They would say, no, but that's who we're supposed to hate. And you can watch it right now. You know, yeah. what groups are we supposed to hate right now? You know, and, and nobody knows any of these people. And if they do, they don't hate them, <laughs> you know? And I think well, if everybody, if everybody, when they left high school, let's say, had to go live abroad for a year mm -hmm. somewhere on the other side of the world. 
and then come back and then they start their life. Everyone in the world had to do that. How different would our respect for each other and for humanity be? There's no them. There's only us. I'm so glad they're starting it in middle school. That is just awesome. All right. Let, let's, let's end with this quote. The cost of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. Yeah, I've heard I, that before. I, I live by that quote. If it's it's on every social media platform I have now. It was on my MySpace page. If you can remember that, it's tattooed on this arm. It is uh, it is certainly my mantra. And if you look at the way I've lived my life, my mom taught me at a young age that you know time is the one thing we can't get back. And just like your mentor telling you, well, you can go make more money. Yeah, you can, but you can't get back the time spent making it. Yeah. And I've valued time tremendously from a young age and how I've designed everything, you know, going back to our very opening sentence, you know, I, the way I build businesses around freedom and autonomy and, you know, and it's, that's what your, your 48 year old is picking his next business. Why, why are you doing this thing? Mm. Why are you here? What if my whole life was wrong? That would be sad. (laughs) And we can avoid it. If we open our eyes, you know, I have to to be honest here. And I'm just thinking about it. I don't know if I've ever said this out loud, but I had a really great offer. I sold all my health clubs in 2019 and I traveled all over. It was great. Awesome. And then the next year, I think people got to me. Well, what are you doing now, Weston? What are you doing now? What's your next big thing? And I'm like, what the, like, I don't know. I don't like it. It started bothering me. Where am I going? And not money, but where am I making my impact? Where am I making my impact? And I had to just really step away from everything and everyone to go, wait a minute. You're not doing this, girlfriend. You have to think about why you really want to do things. But it, it took me two years. You know, to really, I didn't realize how much that negative chatter was getting in my head. Like, who am I now? Well, I'm not done. I feel like I'm just getting started. But what started me, you know, and it was almost like that race for proving I could do it again. And I'm like, I didn't want to do that shit. You know, I'm out. Like, you know, I had to back off for a a while. And now, now I'm finally, I think, I'm not going to say every day. I'm finally like at peace with what I want to do and what I want to make an impact. And it changes. But I have to tell you, every single day, I feel like I have to really do my routine, my mindset stuff, my meditation, my journaling to tune out a lot of different voices of that feeling of, will I ever do the next big thing? You know what I mean? Like, will it ever be as big as what, I did before. And I don't know, but does it have to be, you know what I mean? Right. I don't know if you ever felt that way or any of your clients ever felt that way, but I'm like, Oh my God, that's right. Who am I now? If I can't do that again, you know, but there's other things you can do. Who cares? Oh, (laughs) I like that. Wait a minute. I'm just going to put that down. Who cares? Yeah. I have this thing where if, if nobody let's take travel, Right. Because you see everybody on their Instagram feeds and there's, you know, whatever. If nobody knew you were going, would you still go? Yeah. There you go. How many other people can say that? How many people are going 
X place because they're going to get to post the picture at the beach and they're going to get to tell all their friends they went. They're going to, if nobody knew you were going, would you still go? If- yeah, I'm not good. I don't, I forget to post, but that's a whole nother thing. But I just really am so in the moment. I probably should do more with social media. But yeah, but I, I think about those people asking you what your next big thing is. How did they know you had a big thing in the first place? And why does it matter what they think? You know, these are the questions that go through my head. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't know it was getting to me. But then I realized, you know, you like you think, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I don't really care. But I think it was seeping in. And it was if I looked at the stuff I was doing, I'm like, I don't even want to do that. You know what I mean? Why am I doing it? And I had to take a step back. So, yeah, I've loved our conversation. This has been awesome. I'm so happy for what you're doing. I'm so thrilled what you're pointing out in the world. And I'm so grateful you took the time to be on my podcast. It means a lot to me. Absolutely. I had a ton of fun. Hopefully we can do it again. So my let's keep it real people. Don't you love them? Come on. You're going to want to spread the word. Go get his book. Where? Oh, where do you want to send them for your book and um, to work with you? I would recommend people take the quiz, which is at the very top of the website, milliondollarflipflops.com or at milliondollarflipflops on every channel. I'm easy to find. And look for your next book, right? Because you said you're writing that, Belize. That's right. All right, peeps. I'm out. You know what I'm going to say. That was so much fun. Thank you, Roderick. And toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember... Keep spreading the positive.